Amen, church. You can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see all of you here today. I, uh, I woke up this morning and did not know if we would be preaching to an empty room. So thank you all so much for showing up. I, I went out and I started my car early this morning, and I think I audibly heard my car say to me, I hate you um, <laughs> at that moment. And then I started to drive, and I think it Said, I really, really, truly hate you. And um, so I, I do. I, I appreciate all of you getting out. I, I am not a works-based kind of person. You know, I believe that, that Jesus is the only thing that gives us salvation. But if I were a works-based kind of person, I would say all your works today by showing up <laughs> for a pretty big deal. So, um, and, and to everybody who's at home joining us online, we know that there are more of you out there than normal. Thank you so much for for joining us there. Before we jump into the message, I want to give you guys an update because during the month of December every year, we, we collect a, a Christmas offering. And, and this last year, we set a goal of $15,000. Like the first $15,000 that we would collect would just immediately go out to uh, various missionaries and mission partners around the globe. And then anything above and beyond the $15,000 would go to our Feeding My Starving Children initiative that that we do here, um, where, where we pack meals every single April. And uh, thank you to all of you and, and your generosity. Thanks to all of you and your generosity. We raised more than $21,000 last month. So um, thank you all for that so very much. That covers everything for the missionaries and then gives us a pretty good head start for feeding my starving children. Right now, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into things this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. And God, I am just, you know, just standing up here and listening to everybody sing. I am just so honored to be able to be in this place at this time. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do the things that only you can do, that you will speak to our hearts and that our hearts will be open and willing to hear from you. Jesus, be glorified in this time that we have together. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So if you've been around here very long at all, you know that every January, we like to take pretty much the entire month to kind of just talk about the church, to talk about who we are as a church, to look at our mission and our, our vision and our values. And, and we're definitely going to do that over the course of this month. But um, really what we're wanting to do this month is, is kind of just a continuation of what we talked about last month during our vision Sunday, and I know that most of you have probably slept since the first Sunday in December, or maybe you weren't here. So just as a, a little bit of a reminder, our, our overarching value as a church, like the number one thing that we want as a church is for every single person who, who considers LeClaire Christian Church to, to be their place, to be their home, we want every single person to experience a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We want, we, we want your relationship with Jesus to, to change the way you think, to change the way you talk, to change the way you act, to change the way that you serve, 
to change the way that you participate in community. We, we want all of our lives to be different because we are in the process of being transformed to become more like Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus is in the middle of, of it's known as this final discourse. Like it, it's this last night of his life that, that, that he has before he is crucified. And in the middle of this final discourse, he, he talks about how this transformation is meant to take place. In John 15, he says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, Jesus is saying, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Kyle Eidelman, he he talks about how it is so easy to get what Jesus is saying here backwards. And whenever I heard Kyle talk about this, I immediately realized I'm one of the people that he's talking about. Like, it is so easy for me to get this backwards. Even if there are times whenever I feel like I get it in the right order, it is still so easy to fall back into this, this backwards thinking of what Jesus is saying here. Because it's easy for us to believe that that what we do is what connects us to Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, like when I show up to church, then Jesus is more happy with me. Then, therefore, whenever I show up to church, I'm more connected with Jesus. Whenever I open up my Bible and I, I, I read my Bible, that's whenever I'm connecting to Jesus. Whenever I take time and I pray, that's whenever I'm connected to Jesus. And, and I do believe that all those things help in that connection, but what Jesus is saying here is that he is the starting point of that connection. He is the beginning of that connection. Any connection that we have is because we are connected to Jesus. Leading in Division Sunday, I was listening to a message by, by Louis Giglio, and, and I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but I do remember that he used this word, Overflow. And whenever I heard that word, it was like this light bulb went off in my mind and this light bulb went off in my, in my soul and it just kind of began to clarify so many things for me. It, it began to clarify things for me about ministry. It, it began to clarify things for me about, about my own life and, and how I want to live and, and my family and how I, I want to lead them. And it clarified things for, for, for what I desire for this church. It really just began to clarify what the ultimate win is for me in this life. You see, the ultimate win is when our relationship with Jesus is so transforming that it overflows into every area of our lives. I believe that Jesus would say it like, like this, that, that overflow is found in connection with him. In other words, connection creates overflow, and without connection to Jesus, there will be no Jesus-minded overflow. Last week, Daniel did an incredible job of, of getting this series kicked off and, 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 and really kind of just setting the foundation for where we hope to go here over the next few weeks. And really what, what he did is, is, is he just said that, that, that living a life from overflow must begin with the heart. Dallas Willard, he says that what is in our heart matters more than anything else for who we become and what becomes of us. 
So don't mistake it. Each and every one of our hearts is full of something. And each and every one of us will live from the overflow of whatever it is that's in our heart. It's the reason that in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Solomon, who's known as the wisest man to ever live, he put it this way, above all else. You hear those words, above all else, and he's saying like, this is literally the number one thing. This is what you need to pay attention to above everything else. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Jesus would often speak about the importance of the heart and, and, and what we allow into our hearts and into our lives. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And then again in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, For for." For, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I think that Jesus really could have used any example that he wanted to there. I think he could have said, for the mind thinks what the heart is full of. For, 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 for your life will be lived out of what your heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up. In him. And then even one of Jesus' most foundational parables was all about the condition of the heart. So if you have a Bible today, feel free to go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses up here on the screen. Or if you need to get your smartphone out and, and, and go, go there, feel free to do so. But, but in Matthew chapter 13, some time has passed since the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and people were really still very confused about who Jesus was, that, that Jesus had come and had really claimed that he was the coming Messiah, but they had all these expectations of what would take place whenever the Messiah finally showed up. And a lot of what they expected the Messiah to do, they were not necessarily seeing in Jesus. They, 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 they were expecting like these big sweeping changes to take place. And whenever you looked at the early times in Jesus' ministry, he did so many good things, but but not to the point that they would say there was this, this substantial change. Yes, he, he had taught some people and he had healed many people. But there were still so many people who were keeping a safe distance from Jesus. And then there were just some people who, who just wanted nothing to do with Jesus. In particular, you had the religious leaders who even at this early point and in, in, in any point in Jesus' ministry, they, they were you know, willfully standing against Jesus, even already plotting to kill Jesus. So needless to say, there were a lot of people who were very confused about whether Jesus was or was not actually the Messiah. Many Jews had believed that whenever the Messiah came, that all Israel would just automatically flock to the Messiah and rally around him. Yet whenever you looked at Jesus' ministry up to this point, very few, few people had actually rallied around Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 13, we, we see this time in Jesus' ministry where, where the interest in who Jesus is and people trying to figure out, is he the Messiah? Is he not? And, and, and people just trying to begin to answer all these questions that they had been confused about. They, 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 they begin to, to investigate a little bit more and a little bit more to where the crowds around Jesus were really starting to grow. And in Matthew chapter 13, the crowd was so big that Jesus even had to hop into a boat and go out onto the water so he could see everybody 
who was there. And it's here where Jesus begins to tell a story to explain why he was being received the way that he had been received. He tells the story of a farmer. And, and, and this farmer, he went out to, 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 to sow seed. And, and any time that a farmer goes out to sow seed, he, he looks out at his field, and it's just like this blank canvas that is in front of him. It is full of possibilities, but, but it's not going to, to produce a crop in and of itself. It's dependent upon the farmer taking action and going out to sow seed. And so Jesus tells the story of a farmer who goes out to sow seed. And as he sows, some of the seed fell along the path. And, and as the seed fell along the path, the birds of the air, they came and they swooped down and they, they quickly ate it up and, and it all disappeared. Then some of the, 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 the seed, it fell among rocky soil, meaning that the crop would quickly grow up. But in the heat of the summer, whenever in, in the heat of the day, the, 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 the crop would be scorched because it had no root. It, sprung, it would spring up quickly, but then it would disappear just as, as quickly. And then more fell among the thorns. And, and whenever the crop would try to grow, the thorns would, would grab the plant and would begin to choke it out. But then still other seed fell among good soil that would produce a great crop. And after Jesus finished telling this story, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we just have a question for you. Like, like why do you teach the way that you do? You are a master communicator. You are a master teacher. Why do you teach with all these stories? Why don't you just speak more clearly? Why, 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 why do you have to use all these stories? Especially, why do you have to use all these stories that, that ultimately sound more like riddles? And Jesus answers their question by pointing back to something that the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 6. He he said, Jesus said in, in chapter 13, verse 14, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. When Isaiah said, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For, for this people's heart had become calloused, and they hardly, uh, they, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And then I would hear, heal them. In other words, Jesus is saying, the reason that I teach the way that I teach is because there are so many who think that they know, but in reality, they have no idea. And I think one of the easiest things for us to do as religious people, as church people, is to think whenever Jesus is saying this and, and whenever Jesus is telling this parable that, that it's in the context of non-religious people, Right? But the, the context of Isaiah chapter 6 is Isaiah is prophesying to the people of Israel. He's prophesying to, to God's people. He's telling them that, that, that they have had it. Like, like they have had the kingdom of God revealed to them, but they have never recognized it or fully grasped it. That they have had it constantly spoken to them, but many of them have missed it. And, because if they would have grasped it, then something would have changed, but nothing has changed. That they would have been healed, but instead they find themselves where they are. And then Jesus says, but, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And long to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. 
And then Jesus goes on from there, and in verses 18 through 23, he explains this parable, and he shows how where the seed actually lands matters, and how it relates to different people and to different people's hearts. He says this, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I love this story. Genuinely, I believe that this is one of the most beautiful stories ever told. Different hearts receive the word in different ways. You have four, four, four different soils, and, and the four different soils represent four different types of hearts. And so we're going to look at those real quick. The, the first soil represents the hard heart. The hard heart. This is probably the heart that we are most familiar with, the heart that we probably understand and have probably, you know, experienced at different times in our lives. This is, again, this is spoken to religious people, but the hard heart is the unreceptive heart. R. Albert Moeller, he says this, the danger of having a hard heart is not just that you might stumble. The danger of a hard heart is that it will lead to a final denial of God and rejection of his grace in Jesus Christ. Whenever we have a hard heart, it means that we hear the words of Jesus. But for whatever reason, we're not moved by the words of Jesus. It means that our, we've allowed our hearts to become so hard and so callous that even as God is moving in this world, we feel nothing. When we have a hard heart, it means that we have areas of our lives, and man, we've all been there. I'm guessing that many of you are there today, many of us may be there today, that that we have some areas in our lives that we just simply refuse to trust God with. We have some kind of sin struggle that we have no interest in changing. It's not that we're confused about is this right or wrong. We know what's right and wrong. We just don't care. We are unrepentant. And the longer that we live in this way, the more we invite the evil one to continually pluck away the word of God from our hearts. When we live with a hard heart, we have completely turned a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives, which leads us to have a more familiar relationship with the evil one than we have with Jesus. The second soil and the second heart, I call it the superficial heart. This is a, a, a heart and a faith that is unable to stand in tough times. For centuries, there's been this phrase that church leaders have, have used, and it's called easy believism. And what easy believism is, is easy believism says, just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Just hop in this water and you'll be saved. But then, a year or two down the road, maybe less, maybe more, but, but, but sometime later, it becomes clear that although you may have said the prayer and although you may have hopped in some water, that your heart never truly received the message of the kingdom and that it failed to submit to the rule and the reign of Christ. 
George Whitfield was a powerful preacher during the First Great Awakening in the 18th century, and he used to preach to massive crowds of thousands upon thousands of people. And thousands upon thousands of people would, would respond to his messages. And, and every once in a while after he would preach a message, somebody would come up to Pastor Whitfield and they would say, So, Pastor, how many people were saved during your message and during your service tonight? And he answered the question the same way every single time. He said, We'll see in a few years. There are a lot of people who want to follow Jesus, but who refuse to repent and surrender their lives to him. Or another way that we can have this superficial heart is to believe that it's our deeds that connect us with Jesus and not the other way around. We believe that our salvation is dependent upon us and our good works. We trust in our good works more than we trust in the work of Christ. We believe that if my behavior is good, then my relationship with Jesus will be good. But if we just stop for a second, we will all realize and recognize that, that Jesus has always been much more concerned with our heart than our behavior. And as a result of this thinking, when hard times come or whenever trials arise, we can, we, 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 we can convince ourselves and we can begin to say, I'm a good person. Why would God allow this to happen to me? The problem here is that never did Jesus say, come to me and all will be good. In fact, Jesus said the exact opposite. But what Jesus wants us to know is that being a Jesus follower doesn't mean that you'll never face trials. What Jesus wants to know is that being a Jesus follower means that you will never have to face your trials alone. But if you have no root, you will never grasp this. The third soil and the third heart, I call it the divided heart or the distracted heart. And this is whenever your hope can be found in any number of places. Every single one of us lives with hope. We need hope to live. But our hope can be found in any number of places, but not necessarily in Jesus. This distracted, this divided heart, is, it, it means that, that our outlook on life, our outlook on the world, our outlook on everything is defined by what's happening around us and not by what Jesus has already done for us. And this is so easy to fall into, but listen, this will keep us from living the life that Jesus desires for us to live. A divided heart, a distracted heart, it, it means that, that our heart is distracted by things that are outside of our control. Many times these things are, are, are problems that we've caused ourselves by longing to make much of us and not much of Jesus. It means that our, our focus may be on Jesus for a time, but as our circumstances are constantly changing, our focus is shifting right along with it. And as a result, it's so easy to become too focused on all these other areas of our lives that leave no room for the gospel of Christ. And then the fourth heart and the fourth soil is the kingdom worker's heart. And this is the teachings of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit, whenever the fruit of the Spirit are at the core and are evident to all. We, it's whenever we do more than simply just say that we love Jesus, but we prove it in the way we live our lives and in the way we love others. This is the overflow of what Jesus has done for us and in us. And so let's get practical here for a minute because what, what does this really look like? Whenever we talk about living out of the overflow, what does this really look like and what does it really mean? Here's what it means. Whenever we live from the overflow, it means that we don't just show up to this place to be filled. 
Yes, there are times in our lives whenever we are going through, through, through a week or, or, or through a season, whenever, whenever life is just weighing us down so, so much that we find ourselves just constantly in, empty. But because of the root that we have, we know that even in that desert place that God can continue to fill us. The goal is not for you to show up to this place always needing to be filled because you have been filling yourself all week long. That whenever you show up to this place, this isn't the first time that you've considered Jesus or his ways or his parents during the, his presence during the entire week. Because you've been considering that all week long. You've been spending time with him all week long. In scripture, in prayer, in community, in service, in time, in the quiet. And if you don't know where to start in these things, to, to be able to experience this life and to be able to live out of the overflow, please, please, please come talk to me. Come talk to us. There is literally nothing I would love to walk with you more than to teach you what it looks like to, to live out of the overflow. Because the goal is that whenever you come here, it's, you're not coming here to get what you can get. But you're coming here to give what you can give. Because you're not needing an hour on a Sunday morning to fill you. Because you've already been filling yourself the entire week. Living from the overflow means, so whenever you show up here, that you don't need Elijah to get you ready for worship. Because you've been worshiping all week long. You've been living a lifestyle of worship. You've been practicing the presence of Christ all week long. No matter what you're doing, whether you're brushing your teeth or vacuuming the floor, you are doing it all for the glory of God. You don't need somebody to get, come up here and, and get you ready to worship. This is just a time for you to come here and for your lifestyle of worship to overflow into a community of believers. This is a time for you to come here to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to bear the burdens of one another. Whenever you live from the overflow, it means that if you feel like raising your hands, that you go ahead and raise your hands. It means that if you feel like saying amen in the middle of a message or something like that, that you go ahead and say amen in the middle of a message. It means that if you just need to sit there in quiet contemplation, that that's what you do to reflect on the goodness and the glory of Christ. We embrace the overflow. Whenever we live from the overflow, it means that, 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 that it's not the first time that you've considered Jesus. Whenever you come to this place, it's not the first time that you've considered Jesus or his ways this entire week, but you've been practicing his presence knowing that he is with you. Connection creates overflow, means that we acknowledge that Jesus' ways are better than our ways, that Jesus' truth is greater than our truth. Overflow comes from a connection that leads to a submission that says, not my will, but your will be done. Overflow knows no bounds and it flows into everything, every single part of your life. Overflow is discipleship. Overflow is becoming more like Jesus. It's making Jesus more than just a part of your life. It's making Jesus the center and the core and the foundation of your life. It's taking the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 where he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things, to, so to him be glory forever. Amen. Overflow causes you to say, Here I am. Send me. 
What is needed may not be my favorite thing. It may not be my deepest passion. But Overflow asks the question, what can I do to help others know Jesus? How can I be used to to minister to those that God is bringing to this place? Overflow says, well, Jesus, here I am. Send me. It asks the question, how can I serve my neighbor? How can I serve my spouse? How can I serve my children? How can I serve my coworkers? How can I serve in my church? Even when it's difficult, even when I'm not feeling it, connection creates overflow, and overflow says, here I am, send me. Overflow can also be described like this. Love God, love others, and prove it daily. Overflow is saying, I will do more than say that I love God. But my connection with God will be proven through the overflow of my life. I wish that there was a way for the church to program a life of overflow. But it's simply just not possible. For you to truly live a life that is coming from the overflow of your life, you have to take that on. You have to allow Christ to continually fill you and transform your heart into the likeness of himself. Every single day. But as a church, we still have a desire to provide for you opportunities to to live out of what that overflow should look like. And so there's a card in, in the seat back in front of you. It looks something like this, the pew back in front of you. And on the back of this card, we have some opportunities for, for you to be able to serve, to be able to, to kind of get your hands dirty and, and, and to dive into some very, very real ministry. Some of these things we highlight a lot. You know, we talk a lot about kids' ministry and the need in kids' ministry. Right now, we need people who are willing to, to go and teach a Bible story in kids' ministry. If you'd be willing to do that, man, please sign that and... and and, and let us know. We would love to get you plugged in. We talk a lot about first impressions. We talk a lot about student ministry. But we have some other ministry opportunities that we may not talk about quite as much. One of them is every single month, we send a group of people to a soup kitchen in Collinsville to go and, and prepare and serve a meal to, to those who are currently in need. If that's something that you'd be interested in, if you'd be interested in participating in that ministry, would, would you please check that box and sign this card? We would love to get you plugged in there. One of our favorite days of the year here at LeClaire is called Be the Church Day, and it's just a Sunday whenever we, we cancel our Sunday morning services and we just go out into the community and serve. We do it every single fall. Well, over the last 18 months or so, we actually have a group of people who have started to do monthly Be the Church Day projects. Would you be interested in doing a Be the Church Day type project on a monthly basis? Sometimes we need a lot of people. Sometimes we only need a few people. But right now we have a group of about 10 or 15 people that are just being used over and over and over again. We would love to invite you to be able to be a part of that. If you would like to be a part of that ministry, please check the local outreach Be the Church Day projects and sign it and turn the card in. We have an incredible ministry here, a, a, a meal train ministry that, that would you, whenever a family is struggling, whenever a family is down, would you be willing to prepare a meal for that family? My family was blessed by this whenever our son Graham was born several years ago, a few years ago, and, and it was just so nice to know that we don't have to worry about that for, for a few days, for a week. 
We can just be a family. If you would be willing to, to cook a meal for a family that's in need, would you go ahead and check that and turn it in? We have a prayer team. We have a security team. We have all these other things. We have, we have rooted groups with adults that are getting together to study the Word of God, and, and we want to do everything we can to allow them to show up and not have to worry about any distractions, but just show up and grow together and grow in Christ to learn, to listen, to talk, to pray. And one way that we want to be able to help adults be able to do that is to have child care for their children while they're in these groups. Would you be willing to help with child care so that way adults can, can grow in their relationships together and in their relationship with Christ? If any of these things stick out to you, would you please sign this card and put it in the black boxes at the back of the auditorium on your way out today? Because here's the bottom line. We are living in a world and in a community that desperately needs the hope of Jesus. And so may LeClaire Christian Church be a light in the darkness. May we be faithful stewards of everything that God has entrusted to us. May we be people who are ready and willing to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. During this series, every year I love to finish the message by just going over this short little partner's commitment. And it says this, as a partner at LeClaire Christian Church, I will be faithful to the gifts that God has entrusted to me in order to make the body complete. When another part of the body is hurting or down, I will do what I can to lift them up. As a partner of LeClaire Christian Church, I will, I, I will be an encourager. As a partner of LeClaire Christian Church, I will always be welcoming of new people regardless of where they're from or their walk of life. As a partner of LeClaire Christian Church, I will handle any and all tension that comes my way with love. As a partner of LeClaire Christian Church, I will do all of this because I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and we, his church, are the vehicle he has chosen to use to share that hope. And church, that's a big deal. Will you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, I thank you for today and just this opportunity to be in this place. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in this place and that your word will fall where it needs to fall. I know that every single one of us have, have hearts that are in different places today. But God, I pray that, that the soil will be good and that you will continue to move and and I think so much about what David prayed in Psalm 139, where he's like, reveal to me any of my ways that are not of, that, that are not of you. And Father, I pray that we will pray that same prayer. Will you reveal to us any of the ways in our hearts that are not of you? And will you give us the humility to admit that, the humility to repent of that, and the boldness to change? Holy Spirit, do the things that only you can do in our lives to make us more like Jesus. We love you so much, and it's your name we pray.